Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. I am so glad to be back. We were in California visiting my parents. Also, I was doing my uh, uncle's funeral. And um, thank you uh, for the prayers and all of that. It was a good time. We got to take our boys around to some of the areas that, you know, I grew up in and, and Heather grew up in and stuff like that. They acted like they cared, but they really didn't care. You know, they kind of gave us that, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. And then the big joke was, hey, we're in little Scotty's element. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. We got a kick out of showing them all this stuff, but uh, we had a good time. And so, uh, but it's good to be back with my church family. Uh, I love my mom and dad and uh, my sister. I got to visit with her as well. She lives about two hours away from my mom and dad. But uh, there's something just about church family, and I am just so glad to be back. Um, so I already told you to be in First Peter, right? Okay, so, um, yeah, now, now it's all trying to, you know, come back to you, kind of like, you know, because you've been gone for a week and you get out of rhythm. But uh, a couple things. One is that men's, uh, the men's cookout, um, sign up for it, men. Be a part of it. We're going to just hang out. We're going to eat steak, okay? We're going to also have baked potatoes, and then we're going to do a cornhole tournament. Right? So it's low-key. It's not, you know, anything like, oh my gosh. But man, we're just going to have a good time. Laugh, hopefully. I'm lousy at cornhole, so if you come up against me in the tournament, you're probably going to advance, right? You know, because we were thinking March Madness and all that stuff. So man, we should do something like that. So um, sign up online. That way we'll at least know who's coming and who's not coming and all those good things. But uh, I promise you we're going to cook some steak uh, and it's going to be good. Not, you know, not, not the cheap kind. Let's go with, with the really, really good kind. Um, and then um, there was one other thing I was going to say, and I cannot remember, but maybe it'll come back to me. But uh, hey, so we're now in week seven. Okay, so we've been in this 10-week series, but we are in week seven of building a strong Christian life and developing um, a, uh, a passion for spiritual disciplines. Okay? And we've been looking at the, that the ingredients or the disciplines you and I need to have in our lives to become strong, to become stable, to become mature believers. How many of you want to be a mature believer, right? Because, you know, even Scripture talks about we're not supposed to be babies all the time. We're supposed to be gradually moving up to the meat of God's Word, okay? And we, we know that to be true because we look at our, our babies, Right? We have babies and babies grow and they, they just don't stay drinking milk all the time, do they? No, they start eating real food and they start growing in their ability. Same principle for us. And so we've been really just wanting to take these 10 basic ingredients that need to be active in our Christian life for us to grow so the Holy Spirit can kind of shape us, strengthen us, sustain us, you know, satisfy us in this supernatural life in Christ. Because Christ wants us to have a supernatural life. He doesn't want us to just have kind of a, a, a boring, you know, just humdrum life. He really has some exciting things that he wants to do in you and through you so that you can reach other people. But see, well, oftentimes what it is, we kind of hold ourselves back and say, well, no, that's not really my comfort zone. Well, he knows where you're at, but you know what? He still wants you to sometimes stretch yourself a little bit. I have, I have a, a reminder in one of the offices here, and it's talking about just the fact that you got to stretch yourself sometimes. 
You can't just stay where you're at. You've got to be able to stretch and, and at times just go, Lord, I don't know what I am doing. I have no clue how to do this. But he's like, that's okay. That's when I, you are in the right spot, in the right position for me to be able to, to move in your life and to help you through that process. And so we've been talking too about how, you know, kind of in, in baking a cake, right? You need all the right ingredients in order for it to come out and be exactly what you want it to be. If you miss an ingredient, it's not going to be what you, you intended it to be. It won't live up to its full potential. And we've talked and, and we've known that we hear a lot about, hey, God's got, got a, a, a plan, a purpose for you. There's so much potential in you. Holy Spirit kind of even whispers that. But then we've talked about how the fact that, you know what? Why doesn't it happen? Why sometimes do we get discouraged and say, well, why is it not going on in our life? And, and I brought up the point, maybe it's because we've got the wrong ingredients that we're putting into our life. That we're focused on these wrong ingredients that don't mix with the potential God has for each one of us. Because God has such a great potential, has a great plan and a great purpose for your life. Even when you've been bombarded with, with attacks from the enemy or the enemy has come in and tried to steal from you and try to get you off course, God still has a potential for your life. But see, that's the thing we've got to realize. What kind of passions am I pursuing in my life? Is it something that mixes with the Lord? Is it something that goes along with what his plan and his purpose is for my life? Like for an example, when I felt called to ministry, I ran from it. And I tried to put all these other ingredients into my life thinking, okay, I'm going to run away from it. But see, I couldn't, I couldn't live in peace. There was such, there was such a, 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 a turmoil that was going on in me. Even though I knew what God wanted me to do, there was such this turmoil that kept stirring and stirring. And then finally, I, I said, okay, I'm going to stop with all these other ingredients, all these other thing, passions and things that I think I want, and give over to what God wants. And I'm telling you, there was such a peace in my life. Sometimes that's even just in the very basics of our relationship with Jesus. Because sometimes, you know what, we think, well, yeah, Jesus is here. I'm here. I'm kind of doing my own thing. And yeah, I kind of know a little bit about salvation, but I'm not really giving my life to him. Well, hopefully, man, the Holy Spirit has been doing some stuff inside of you, right? And it's kind of stirring some things in you. And you're like, ah, just, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Well, I, I would just encourage you, take the ingredients that you're filling your life with right now, push them to the side, and then add God and his ingredients in there. And I'm going to tell you, you'll start walking in peace. Even when all chaos is happening in your life, even when all kinds of stuff is going on, you'll have this peace that surpasses all understanding. That's just how God works. It's amazing. People don't get that though. They think, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not how it works. But it really does if we would give our life over to those things that really are... Um, ingredients that God wants us to have in our life. So that's what we've been kind of talking about, these, these 10 passions or these 10 things that we want you to have in order to recalibrate your life so that you can fulfill what God has for you um, on this earth. And so we've looked at seven ingredients, or today we're going to look at the seventh ingredient, sorry. But in the past weeks, we've looked at a passion for souls, a passion for God's word, a passion for the Holy Spirit, a passion for worship, a, a passion for prayer. And last week, we talked about a passion for giving. So this week, we're talking about a passion for holiness, 
a passion for holiness. Bow your heads with me and let me pray. Holy Spirit, teach us about a, and give us a passion for holiness in our life. Amen. Now, when you think of holiness, you think, okay, well, man, this must be a message about the fact that God is holy. Okay, well, he is. God is holy, but we're not really going to cover that. Remember, we talked about the very beginning. These are just kind of things that we're, 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 we're talking about that um, we're not going to go in depth with, but this is more talking about your position in Christ. Okay? Because a lot of times we think, okay, well, God is holy. We get that. But we don't understand that, you know what? Our position in Christ is God sees us as holy. He does. Let me give you the first scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16 says this. But as he who called you is holy. So, the, okay, so God called you. Jesus called you. He is holy. Would you all agree to that? Yeah. Say an amen. amen. All right. It says, you also be holy. Okay? It says, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Now, I was thinking about this. This is just not a filler verse, right? It's just not, you know, uh, Paul or Peter thinking about, oh, you know what? I just need to create more space or more pages or more letters in, in my, my, my letter or, or words in my letter. Like, you know, have you ever, I, this is just me, but when I was doing um, um, assignments and you had to like do a two-page paper, right, or a three-page paper, I would just like kind of keep creating words in order to fill the spot because I really didn't know how to fill a two-page paper. And so when I started dating my wife, she would read and go, you just said the same thing three times. <laughs> yeah, but it's two pages, right? Okay, well, this is not what's happening here, okay? These are Holy Spirit-inspired pages, okay? Well, now, am I the only one that's ever done that? No. Okay, some of you get a shout. Yeah, all right, cool. Okay, I feel so much better now because I just felt like totally, ah. Uh. Anyways, thank you. Thank you for making that me feel better, okay? But, but I honestly believe that he put it in here or put that in there so that we can understand that, you know what? We have an ability to walk in holiness, right? The same way God operates in holiness. And you think, well, wow, man, God is just holy, right? He's perfect, okay? Well, I think we have the ability to be able to do that. Now, Jesus did it, obviously. But I think because of how God sees us and views us, we have the ability to strive towards that. I'm not saying it just automatically happens. But we have the ability to strive for that. So what is this holiness that you and I really have in our life? That, God, that, that God's already proclaimed in, in our life. Well, let's start with what it's not. Okay, Holy, Holiness is not outwardly conforming. To a standard of perfection. Okay? Holiness is not outwardly conforming to a standard of perfection. Like moral purity or self-righteousness. Okay? I don't know if you've ever run across people that, especially self-righteousness, that you know, hey, you got issues, bro. Right? But uh -uh, I don't got issues. No way. I don't have those things at all. See, so they've got kind of this, this self-righteous, I'm holy. But see, that's not what we're talking about. Instead, this is what we're talking about. Holiness is a spiritual birthright inherited at salvation that, infor, uh, that affords one a divine opportunity to develop a life that reflects a holy God. 
So this holiness is a spiritual birthright. Have you ever heard that before? Hopefully that rocks your world a little bit. Because sometimes we strive so hard to be perfect, to live this thing, and and we should in a way. But we have to understand that it's already been provided for us in what Christ has done for us. That, that is so key. And then it, when you look at the New Testament, according to the New Testament, the moment an individual accepts Christ, they are washed, sanctified, and justified by the blood of Jesus, which then completely frees them from their past, right? And radically redefines their future. Think about that. The blood of Jesus washes over us, cleanses us, separates us, gets us to this point where we look at just white as snow, I guess you could say. But see, what it, what it did then, it frees us from our past. How many have got a past? Oh yeah, man, I'm raising it up high. Probably I should raise it up even higher. But I got a past. But see, when I accepted Christ into my life, it freed me from my past. Now, I'm going to say this. Was when I did it when I was young, and then I lived my life and doing the things that I probably shouldn't have done, and I had to come back to the Lord. And I had to get forgiveness of those things that I did in, my, in that, that meantime, right? Because we're not perfect. But see, every single time that I come and I repent and I confess my sin, then you know what? I am righteous before the Lord. I am holy before the Lord. So don't think, yeah, but you know what? I got a lot of growing to do, Pastor Scott, before I can even think about holiness or being holy. Well, join the club, right? Just join the club. Come on, join the club, right? I'll I'll, I'll write stickers, and we'll put stickers on our thing, and it says, holy, you are holy. Because, you know, all of us are growing. All of us are trying to work this out, and we need to continue to grow. But see, the good news for us is that the moment you became born again, God sees you, sees every believer as righteous before him, right? Consecrated to him and set apart by him. Did you realize you're set apart? Okay, let me read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read verse 17, and then we're going to read verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... Anyone, not a certain person, not him who walks around saying, oh yes, I'm holy. No, anyone who is in Christ has made Jesus the Lord of their life. It says he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That means that past has been wiped out. See, we're the ones that hold on to the past. We're the ones that will carry our baggage with us. Oh, yeah, but I got this, I got that. And Jesus is like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. If you repented and you asked for forgiveness, then you know what? The Bible says he will remove it as far as from the east is from the west. It'll go down to the very depths of the sea, never to be remembered again. But see, we hold on to it. But it says that old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come, become new. Verse 21, for he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not that we're special, but because we gave our life to Jesus, all of that that unrighteousness has been removed far away, 
And we've been given this robe of righteousness for us to walk in. That's powerful stuff. But see, oftentimes we, 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 we miss that in our lives because the enemy comes in and he starts talking and he starts saying these things to us. And all of a sudden we're just like, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, 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 you know. When we're not allowing God's word or the Holy Spirit to speak to us and, and doing the same thing. Yeah, thanks, Holy Spirit. Yeah, I believe that, God. Yeah, that's what God's Word says. Then, man, that's who I am. See, we, we sometimes don't live that way. It says, so that means that when we, we made Jesus the Lord and Savior of our life in the, in the fraction of a split second, okay? Like, you know, blinking your eye. The Spirit of God came into your heart. The Spirit of God came in to live in you. And you know what he did? We, it removed us from the category of the wicked. The unregenerated human. And it set us into this special category. Say you're special. I'll, turn to your neighbor. Okay? And say you're special. Okay? Turn to your other neighbor that you didn't turn to the first neighbor because now we know who you're picking favorites about. <laughs> and say to them that they're special. Ooh, we got a so special over here. All right? <laughs> but you're in a special category. God separated you, consecrated you, set you apart for who? For himself. Right? For himself. Because he wants fellowship with you. He wants relationship with you. He wants to hang with you, to put it in modern terms. Right? And here's the deal. Even though you may look like everybody else in this world, right? As a believer, you are not, there is nothing regular about you. There is nothing regular about you if you are a believer. And this new you that God's created by the power of the Holy Spirit, He wants you then to begin to adjust your thinking. He wants you to begin to adjust your, your talking and your actions. He wants you to begin to adjust that to fit the new you. To fit how he sees you. Right? He doesn't see you as a broken down lemon of a car. Right? Where you're looking at the car and go, oh man, that's busted and disgusted, man. I don't want anything to do with that. He doesn't see you as that. He sees you as this beautiful, beautiful masterpiece that has been cleansed and, and made holy and righteous and just beautiful. But see, we take this on and we carry this thing that says, no, I am nothing but a lemon. I am nothing but just a clunker that's barely making it, barely getting by. I got a busted wheel. I got a fender that's out of place. All that. That's how we view ourselves, but God doesn't view us that way. He says, no, you're my child. And I see you in such a greater picture. Then what do you think? But see, that, that's part of that process where we begin to understand and we begin to adjust our thinking and talking and our actions to really emulate and show who God is in our life, who He is. So we become holy by what Christ has done for us. The moment we ask for forgiveness of our sin, we become holy, okay? We become this new creation. The Bible even says we become a saint. So turn to, turn, turn to your person, whoever you want to, right? Your person, and say, 
Hey, Saint. All right. You guys are doing good. You're still awake. That's awesome. Philippians 4, 21, 22 says this. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you. Now, the word saint describes something set apart, consecrated, distinguished from something else. Now, think of it this way. How many have ever done laundry before? Okay? When you do laundry, usually you separate the, the, the clean clothes from the dirty clothes. Right? Hopefully. Okay? Or you, you take the, um, uh, the whites and the darks. Right? That was one of the first things I ever learned. I just figured, you just throw it all in, man. It's all good. And then something, until something bleeds. And then you're like, hey, why? This used to be white. Well, because you put it in. Right? But see, it's separated. You, you look at it and go, okay, this is one pile, this is the dirty pile, this is the clean pile. What God has done is He said, okay, you were once dirty, but now you are now clean. You're in this pile. It's a good pile, by the way, right? The same thing when you look at it, think about it as for the Bible, okay? Well, the Bible is called a holy Bible. It's the same word that... that um, that, 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 that uh, the, in the Greek, where it's uh, hagos biblios. I don't know if I said it right, but anyways, you get the point. Okay, but the reason why it's the Holy Bible is because it has been separated. There is no other book like the Bible. It's in a whole different category all by itself. Would you agree? It's totally different than what, you know, you can go to the, the library. If there is libraries anymore, I don't even know. Because now you can go online and get it on Kindle and all that. But if you go to the library, man, you know what? You find Holy Bible. You don't find, you know, Holy, um, 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 uh, I don't know, anything. You, you just don't find, you know, Holy Peter and the Rabbit. Something like that, okay? Um, but Holy Bible means that it's separated. So Holy means, you know what? It, it is sacred from other things. So that means that you are sacred. You are set apart. You are separate from the world. Okay? Hebrews chapter 10 says this. It says, For by the one offering, okay, that's sacrifice, He, that's Jesus, forever made perfect those, that's you and I, who are being made holy. Okay? We are being made holy. So in spite of the fact you may not see yourself as a saint, Right? Because of our stuff, the baggage we carry. Because of our imperfections. Right? The truth is that God sees you as holy. Every single one of you that have made Jesus your Lord and Savior. God sees you as holy. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And therefore placed in that separate category I was talking about. You are in the clean category. Not the dirty clothes category. Right? He sees you as this beautiful child. Think about it in, in, in a way where, um, you know, even in natural, um, uh, natural children becoming, you know, part of the family. They're born into the family. They are legitimate members of the family. Once we become born again, then, you know, we are legitimate spiritually members of God's family. Okay? Then that means we have every right to every single thing that's within the family. 
And we have to understand that we've got to know that we have been separated, set apart. But Hebrews 14 does go on and and say something else, right? Because just like natural children, we must grow into the family name. Okay, the spiritual birthright of holiness that we have, which you have, okay, must be developed so that you become and you begin to live a holy life. Because sometimes, you know, that, that seems to be hard to us. You think, man, I, I, how, how can I live in holiness? You can. You really, really can because you've already, the moment you ask Jesus to forgive you, you already are in that status. Now it's just living it out. Right? Yeah. I'm going to answer my own question. So as a believer, we have been declared righteous. We have been justified by our faith. And we are made holy. Now, we must learn how to live that way. Right? How, how it reflects the way we are. So let's look at three keys we must know to unlock holy living. The very first one is, my old unholy nature is dead. My old unholy nature is dead. Now, the early church was separated, right? Made holy in their new lives with Christ. If you just read, you know, the book of Acts. And then, you know, even in the the letters that Paul was talking about. But... So in that, they were separated even though they still lived in a pagan culture. Okay, because there was still sin going on in the world. There were still things that were happening that were going on around them. But in God's eyes, they were separated. They were made holy. Okay, so the problem was is that much like us, they still carried some of the cultural residue with them. They still had that kind of in their lives. And in the city of Corinth... Right, which was, which, which was a really wicked city at the time. You know, Paul came and established a church there. But still, in the city of Corinth, man, it was still wicked and it was flesh-dominated. The Apostle Paul writes to them, okay? So here, here, here he is. He's writing to the saints, the holy ones, the ones who are separated, right? Who used to be pagans, but are still encountering or having, you know, under, the, 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 these things that are happening in their life that are going on. And he's trying to, 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 to get them to the point of understanding and realizing you do not have to live that way anymore. You don't have to live in this pagan culture just because you live in the pagan culture. You are called out. You are separated. You are holy. So he's exhorting them to leave their past, okay, from the unholy lives that they had to step into holiness. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. And this is in kind of the expanded Bible. And you're probably like, man, I never even heard of the expanded Bible. But here it goes. Okay. It says, surely, or don't, kind of a question. You know that the people who do wrong, unrighteous, wicked, unjust, will not inherit God's kingdom. Do not be fooled or deceived. Those who sin sexually, worship idols, take part in adultery, those who are male prostitutes or passive homosexual partners, or men who have sexual relations with other men, active homosexual partners, those who steal, are greedy, get drunk, lie about others, slander others, use abusive language, or rob 
uh, swindle. These people will not inherit God's kingdom. So what he was trying to say is, you know what? Hey, all of these things have been taking place, even in the church, because there was still residue of the world in the life of the people that were going to church, right? Because, I mean, have you ever been caught gossiping about someone and you're in the church? Or have you ever done something that you like, oh, yeah, 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 okay. I've done that before. See, there's this residue that we still carry with us. Even though we've been separated, even though we said, Jesus, you are Lord and Savior, man, do we automatically walk in holy and pure lives? No, we still have residue that likes to cling to us. But see, Paul's trying to get across. All of this stuff is stuff that you do not need to do anymore. This is what he says. He says, in the past, some of you were like that. That's what your life was. I get it. I understand that. He says, but, okay? Now I highlighted, but, okay? It says, but you were washed clean. You were made holy you were sanctified, and you were made right with God, justified, declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in or by through the Spirit of God. So in other words, Paul was trying to get across to them, your former passion for unholy living is now dead. You have to understand that. Yes, you have this residue that's still around, but see, you've got to step up and say, hey, That past residue has no authority in my life anymore. It's dead to me because of what Christ has done in my life, what Jesus has done. And my life is now set in in motion and on course to follow after Jesus. And so, you know what? Past residue, I, I don't need you anymore. Past life, I don't need you anymore. It's dead, right? Because of what Jesus has done, done for me. And this thing washed, washed you clean, washed clean points to a specific point in time when something or someone was washed thoroughly and completely. Man, I remember, oh, this is a long time ago, but you know when, when parents give your child a bath, I mean, they, they, they scrub every area. You know, they get behind the ears or whatever. They're making sure that they are, the kid is completely washed thoroughly. Now, when the kid gets older and they take a shower, you don't know, man. You don't know if they wash everything. You're kind of like, hey, did you, you know, get that out of your, you didn't do a very good job. What I did? No, you didn't. You did lousy. But, but when parents were washing the babies, and as the kids kind of started getting a little older, man, they made sure that everything was clean. So here Paul's reminding the Corinthians of the specific moment in time that they first repented and, 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 um, and, and were washed clean from their sin because they made Jesus their Savior, that, that their unholy lifestyle was automatically removed from them. Now, again, you, gotta, you, walk, you have your flesh that fights against that. But see, we have to understand that, man, this washing of being clean is so vital. We have to understand we've been washed. We have been made clean. Not he left specks of dirt. Not that he left specks of our past life. No. Jesus said, no, man, I've come and completely washed you clean. Every area. If you want to look behind the ears, your ears are clean. Right? Every single area is clean by what Jesus has done for us. And in that washing, then, we've been made holy. 
which again is that same word that means set apart, sanctified, uh, consecrate, or to make difference, different. So Paul is pointing out that regardless of one's past life and any lingering imperfection, okay? Because I, I feel like I still have some imperfections in my life. So, but he's trying to tell me, hey, you know what? Any lingering imperfection, you know what? Once you were born again, Pastor Scott, you have been instantly and divinely distinguished from the rest of the world. I'm separated from the world. I don't have to live according to the world. I can live in holiness. I can live in righteousness. But see, the enemy comes and tries to say, no, you can't. You have to be tied to this thing. You, you can't loosen yourself from it. But see, when we start getting an understanding that the moment that I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, that you know what? I am holy. I have been made holy. Yeah, do I have to work at it? Yeah, we'll get to that in a point, in a minute. But I have been made holy. I do not have to hold on to the ties of my former life or this unholiness. And then made right with God. That just means justified, right? Or to make us righteous. But that's how God views you. He views you as righteous. You are no longer separated from your unholy living. You are now righteous before Him. You have this new you. You are alive in it. You are in right relationship with Him. Even some scholars say this. They describe the supernatural cleansing work as just as if you had never sinned. Right? Like we talked about that. We're the ones that hold on to the baggage of our past sin. Jesus said, no, you repented of it. Therefore, it's gone. I, I don't remember it. I won't remember it. Because it's been washed by the blood. Romans chapter uh, 6, verse 6 says, we know that our old our unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the, which is the instrument of sin, might be made in, ineffective and inactive for evil. So basically it's saying, man, you know what? When we ask Jesus to forgive us, then our body should now be made inactive. Okay? That we may no longer be the slaves of sin. Alright? You can break free if you're a slave of sin to something, whatever that is, okay? If you got something in your life that you cannot seem to break through from, you can be breakthrough from it because of the power of the, the Holy Spirit living in your life. The second key I must know to unlock the holy living is my new holy nature must be developed. My whole new holy nature must be developed. So not just, hey, okay, I'm holy, awesome, and I just keep living the way I want to live or, or whatever. But now you have to develop it. In 1 Thessalonians, we see Paul deliver a crucial step for us. Okay? So this is crucial. Keep your ears open. As, as we develop a, a life uh, that's living in holiness. This is what he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4. He says that each of you should know how to possess, all right, control or manage, his own vessel in sanctification. That means just, you know, purity and separate from these profane things. So it says, again, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Okay? So the idea of know how to possess your own vessel, 
describes an intentional process. Okay? Now that intentional. Write that down if you want. It's an intentional process. You have to decide. You have to make the choice of developing practical skills and step um, and steps to keep ourselves from sin, right, and wrong behaviors. It's intentional. Just because you're holy doesn't mean all of a sudden you're, you're, you no longer are going to face sin opportunities. You're no longer going to be tempted. You will probably, it'll increase because the enemy wants to get you off track, right? But you've got to put in these practical steps. That means, you know, a practical step. If I have a weakness, uh, let's just say with drinking, that means I just don't drink. I make sure that I'm not, I don't go to the bar, or I don't go to a place to do that. I don't go there. No, I make sure that I'm putting boundaries in my life that says, okay, I won't go there because of this reason. Or maybe it's something else with uh, movies or whatever. Just you, you begin to look at your life and you begin to put boundaries in there. Okay? And you do it until you begin to manage, like he said, your own vessel, your own body. It's so important. We just can't be nilly-willy. And just think, oh yeah, whatever, God's grace, sloppy agape, yeah, whatever, it's all cool. No. God has, has a thing in, in, in our life that says, no, I need you to be accountable. And I need you to put things into your life. Then he goes on, Paul goes on to highlight uh, two aspects to manage oneself. One is sanctification. means sanitizing, cl- uh, cleansing process by which a lifestyle of holiness through your divine spiritual birthright of holiness is produced. Okay, so that means, you know what, as we said, you, you've been washed, you've been clean, and as you continue on this pathway, that washing continues to work. That washing that, that the Holy Spirit is, is helping you with as you're putting God's Word in and you're living according to God's Word, it begins to continue that process of sanctifying you, causing you to grow and be all that God's called you to be in this holiness thing. And then it says honor which describes some of the uh, thing of great value or worth, something wor- worthy of dignity and respect. Do we consider our relationship with God something we honor that ha- and has great worth in our life? Right? If we start thinking that way, it changes a whole lot of stuff. Because all of a sudden, that, that, that temptation, that ability to jump from holy to unholy, all of a sudden we look at it and go, no, man, nothing is going to get in the way of my, my respect and my value of my relationship with God. Yeah, it might hurt. It might may, maybe, maybe make some people mad. But nothing's getting in the way because I value and I, I respect God's presence in my life. So after we are made righteous and holy by the blood of Jesus, then God calls us to a higher standard, right? He calls us to a higher standard. He wants us to learn to be respectful of God's presence in our life. Think about it. The next time you have an opportunity to to do something unholy, think about, wait a minute, God's presence is in my life. Do I respect that more than what this opportunity is? Because really what he wants us to do is be able to manage our own bodies, He wants us to be able to manage our own mind. He wants us to be able to manage the way we we live and and have our actions so that we can show the goodness of God to people. 
which is so important. But then he, he shifts a little bit, uh, just, just a little bit, from, in verse 5 after he says, learn to possess his own vessel. He gives kind of, here's the challenge, or here's the thing that, that we face. The challenge to holy living that every Christian faces in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 5. It says, in, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know. Now, passion in the Greek describes any pressure that causes one to strain and suffer from an outside force or circumstance. Okay? Any pressure that causes one to strain and suffer from an outside force or circumstance. Okay? Have you ever been in those, those, those situations? Or maybe you've, you have people in your life that aren't living for God? Yet, and they, and they're, they're trying to put pressure on you to live their way? Yet, you've got this thing inside of you that says, wait a minute, no, I know Pastor Scott said I'm holy, and I shouldn't be living this unholy life. So you got that passion, right? And then lust in the Greek describes that, that um, desire that uh, has become so intense that the person experiencing it is overcome and completely gives themselves over to it. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in that category. I have. Where, man, it's just, it, it, no, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to go do it. So there's the challenge, Paul's saying, right? Because you've got this war going on with your flesh. You got this war going on, and, and really you begin to look at it and say, okay, man, does the passion of my flesh rule and dictate my life? Think about it. If you're a born again believer, a Christian right now, think about it. Does the passions of your flesh still rule and dictate your life? Right? If they do, then you need to make some changes. You need to get some things right, right? You need to kind of to, to put aside some of the priorities of, of things that are unholy, unrighteous, and say, okay, Lord, then help me now to begin to put in priority and perspective and the things that I'm looking at in, in the right focus, in the right direction. So we need to replace those things. Because we have to understand that we, right, we belong to God. We belong to God. We are deemed saintly and holy by God. That's salvation and the Holy Spirit lives in us. See, God doesn't want you to live in the grip of lust of our fallen nature like the ones who are not saved. We're supposed to be what? Separate. This is why Paul pleads with us in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now he's pleading, okay? He's not just flippantly saying it, like off the cuff. No, he's actually pleading, if you read the first part of that. It says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And here's the deal. The problem with a live sacrifice when it gets on the, on the altar is when the fire gets too hot, the tendency is to jump off, Right? If you were to put a sacrifice on an altar and you light up that altar, as soon as it gets hot, guess what that, that, that sacrifice is going to do? It's going to jump off the altar. But see, that's what happens with us sometimes. He says, present your body as a living sacrifice. When, when God says, hey, put that on the altar for me. 
And as soon as it gets hot, most of the time, we take it off. Don't we? I mean, just be truthful. We, we take it off because you know what? It starts to hurt. You want, me to, you want me to get rid of it? You want me to change this? You want me to live this way? You want me to do these things? Yes, put it on the altar. Okay, I'll put it there, but don't light it up. No, I got to light it up. And as soon as he starts turning that heat up, because the heat will come, he's trying to burn, get those impurities out of your life. Man, our first inclination is let's jump. Too tough, too hard. This Christianity stuff is way too tough, way too rigid. No, it's not. It's not at all. But it's you just having to be a living sacrifice and say, all right, Lord, whatever it is you want to do, it's going to hurt. It might not be, you know, be something that I really you know, am excited about, but I'm going to do whatever it is so that I can live a holy, separated life to you. Which now brings us to the third key and our last one. Walking in the Spirit um, produces holy living. Walking in the Spirit produces holy living. To walk in the reality of holiness in your everyday life, it's going to take a moment by moment yielding to the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The Holy Spirit is not just there to just hang out and say nothing. But the Holy Spirit's there to coach you, to guide you, to direct you, right? Even convict you maybe a little bit of something that you shouldn't be doing. Some unholy thing that's not, not right. But see, we have to be able to surrender. Again, it's getting on the altar and say, all right, Holy Spirit, what is it? And, you know, believing that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the understanding of what you're doing is wrong. Right? And, and what he wants you to do then is he, he wants you to flee. Free from unholy living. Free from all of that stuff. Anything that is contrary to what God desires, you should be free from. Okay? If, if you simply just start walking in a direction that is um, on target with God and not contrary to God, then you're walking in holiness. Simple as that. But see, what happens for us is we get diverted. And then we come over here. And then next thing you know, we're over here. And then next thing we're over here. And we're like, ah, oh, I can't do this. He says, well, you know what? Just understand you've been separated. And all you got to do is just not walk in those things contrary to what my word says. And you can live this out. Right? Because, okay, so we would look at it and say, well, yeah, Jesus was perfect. Well, see, Jesus never walked contrary to God's heart. Did he? Uh-uh. That's how he did it. He, he was in constant communion with the Father. He was in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. And he never did anything contrary to God's heart. So, if we were to look at it that way, then what we should be working towards is making sure that we're not doing anything that's contrary to God's heart. How do we know God's heart? God's Word. I mean... I think sometimes we, we make it so complicated. Even I do. I make it complicated. But sometimes it's just really simple. If I want to walk in holiness, if I want to walk in purity, 
And I just need not do anything that's contrary to God's heart. So, we've got that going for us. And then, you know what? We've got to have God's Word in our life. God's Word's got to be speaking to us. We've got to be in God's Word. Because the Holy Spirit will never speak anything contrary to God's Word to you. He'll never say anything that's opposite. That's why in Galatians 5, Paul zeroes in on how one replaces the passions of the flesh with a passion for holiness. It's accomplished by Galatians 5.16. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now that doesn't mean it's some mystical thing and you're just floating and, oh yeah, I'm walking in the Spirit. No, it doesn't mean that. But what it means is you're just obeying God's Word and what the Holy Spirit is directing and leading you to. That's, that's as simple as it is. Now that word walk means to make one's way on a journey, but it also employs a kind of a Bible metaphor for everyday habitual practical living. Everyday habitual practical living. So Paul is trying to teach this idea that walking in the Spirit, again, is not some mystical thing out there. It's following the Holy Spirit's lead. It's yielding to His control. It's receiving His correction and tapping into His strength every day, throughout the day. It's not just a one-time thing. Okay? Don't think it's like, hey, just because I get up in the morning and I pray that I should just leave it right there. No, bring the Holy Spirit with you wherever you go. Because He's already there. The fact is, is we just need to acknowledge Him. And when you get into certain situations, maybe you just need to say, hey, Holy Spirit, help me out. Because that's why Jesus said He came. To help you out, to be a guide, to direct you, to lead you. But bring, bring the Holy Spirit with you. Right? And there's going to be times when the Holy Spirit is going to say, hey, you need to put that on the altar. And you need to, you're going to have to count the cost. But don't jump off the altar. Just because it gets too hot. Just because, ooh, this hurts. Ooh, my friends don't like this. No, stay on that altar. Because that's where the blessing comes. That's where the anointing comes. That's where God's presence comes in your life in such a degree because you're walking in obedience. Even when it hurts. Even when you don't want to give up those things. And then the great thing is, is that Paul, if we choose to do that, as we, as, as we walk continuously, habitually with the Holy Spirit, Paul promises that to the degree we learn to walk in the Spirit, and he says, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you got a real struggle with your flesh, then what do you need to do? You need to start walking in the Spirit. Right? I mean, that's a promise. And I'm going to go with God's promise more than what I've got to say sometimes. But he says that. The word fulfill in the Greek literally means to reach a goal. However, the tense used here makes Paul's message emphatically clear. Walking in the Spirit pulls the plug on the flesh. Walking in the Spirit pulls the plug 
on your flesh. It cancels its desires so that they never become fulfilled. See, so if we set in our life, if we set in motion and just make a commitment, okay, man, maybe I don't really know how all this is going to work. I don't know all the details of it, Pastor Scott. I don't even know, Holy Spirit, what, what this all means. But t- today, as I'm leaving here, I'm, I'm making a choice to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to try to let the Holy Spirit speak to me. Remember, He never speaks anything contrary to God's Word, God's heart, right? And, and he, he, doesn't, he won't lead you to do those unholy things. He'll always lead you in the path of righteousness. Okay? But you can do it. See, it wouldn't be in Scripture if you couldn't do it. Because sometimes we look at that and you think, oh my gosh, that is so hard. It is, it is so hard. Oh my gosh. How, uh, yeah, that's just not me. I'm not very gifted in that. I, I don't really hear the Holy Spirit too much. And, and, you know, and I, I'm, just, I'm just barely trying to get by. But see, the problem is, is that we've got to understand because who we are in Christ and because we've been made holy, we have this opportunity to walk in the Spirit and we can walk in purity every single day. We can walk with the Holy Spirit speaking to us and revealing it to us. And as we do, then the flesh begins to drop off. Just begins to all of a sudden be pushed aside from us. And we're all of a sudden seeing, man, that doesn't even bother me anymore. Let me give you this picture. So um, when, when I had my, my triple bypass and then they told me I was diabetic and all of those things, man, I struggled to change my eating. Man, it was hard. It was like, no. And my wife could say I was crying like a little five-year-old when she would put salad in front of me. And I'd be like, no, nah, not salad again. I don't want salad again. Why am I going to have salad? She said I was like a five-year-old. I don't think I was. I think I was a mature whatever age I was. Anyways, 40-something. But see, over time, as I kept putting it into practice, now none of that stuff, that the sweets, the cookies, the, the cakes, or even bread that I used to love, all of these things that I can no longer eat don't even tempt me anymore. They don't even come around anymore. But it's because I've learned to discipline my body. But see, when we start to learn to discipline our body according to the Holy Spirit speaking to us, according to God's Word speaking to us, then when the enemy comes with unholy thinking, unholy living, unholy stuff, we can just move right past it. It's possible, people. It really is. And that's the life that God wants you to live. He wants you to be able to look at that and go, that's not, I ain't, I ain't doing that. I'm, I'm on a pathway to righteousness. I'm on a pathway on holiness because I value and respect my relationship with God and His presence in my life so much that I'm not going to do these things that are all on the other side. But we have to grow in it. We have to discipline ourselves in it. Right? And if you got to cry like a little five-year-old and you know, throw a tizzy, go for it. But don't stay there right? Keep, keep moving, okay? Keep, keep moving. Because as you keep moving, then, then all of a sudden, man, you'll have this passion for holiness over all this other stuff. One last scripture, Romans 8, chapter 5, verse 6. If, if somebody wants to come up from the worship team, that would be great. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6, it says, for those who live according to the flesh Set their minds on the things of the flesh. So where's your mind at, right? It says, those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. 
Whatever you're giving your attention to, whatever you're allowing your mind to travel into, that's what you're going to do. Okay? But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the, uh, um, the, things of the Spirit, for, okay, wait. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So if you're thinking about spiritual things, if you're allowing God's Word, right? God's Word is is, is Spirit. Then you know what? You're going to start living spiritual things. You're going to be able to to put those things aside. It says this in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death. Carnally minded. What does that mean? That just means you're thinking about fleshly things all the time. All the time, man, it's just like, yeah, I'm not even worried about God's word. I'm just worried about this and that and whatever. It says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The more you get into God's word, the more you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your life, the more you allow the, the principles and, 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 and spiritual things to begin to stir, all of a sudden you start to see peace, you start to see life, you start to walk in joy, even if you're in the midst of a storm. It's there because your mind is set on spiritual things, not on fleshly things, not on the things of this world. Because you can get hit with a storm and all, really all our mind wants to do is go towards the fleshly things. Right? Am I right? You get hit with something and all of a sudden your mind just wants to go, Woo! you know, it's all over the place. It's jumping all over. But see, that's when we got to take it and say, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. I am not fleshly minded. I am spiritually minded. And if I'm spiritually minded, then I can look at God's word and I can say, this is God's plan for my life. This is what God says about me. This is what God says about the situation. Are you seeing the difference? There is a big difference. But in order for us to live and have a passion for holiness, to live in holiness, which we've already been given that opportunity because of, of, our, of what Christ has done for us, but in order for us to do that, we've got to get our mind thinking spiritual things and not things of the flesh. So remember this as we close up. That God, right, declared you holy the moment you repented. The moment you repented, He declared you holy. The moment that you surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus, He declared you as holy. In that one split second, you were washed, clean. No grime behind the ears. Every area was clean. And you were justified in His sight. And you are no longer like anyone else in this world. See, that's, that's our problem. We often live like everybody else in the world. But no, you've been separated. You've been called out. You've been consecrated to live a totally separate life. One that is holy. One that walks in righteousness. You've been called out to that. So all we have to do then is to align ourselves with the character of God. Just got to align yourself with the character of God. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading. And that's when you begin to grow in a passion for holiness. Where you start to say, no, that, that, that's not in my life anymore. Right? I am dead to the uh, uh, unholy things. Because I'm on this pathway that I, I'm living in holiness. And will you mess up? Probably. Because we're human. Just to be honest. 
But see, that, that's when you just jump back and say, Lord, forgive me. I, I messed that up. He's okay, let's go. And then boom, off you go. But we have to understand that, you know what? It is, it is something that we already, God already views us as that. The moment we ask Jesus to be our Savior. He, he views you as holy. And now it's just our ability to be diligent to walk in that holiness. Because it's already established in your life. And if, and if God didn't say, be holy like I'm holy, then we could never be holy, but we can. Because he said for us to do it. That means that, you know what? He's given us every tool in our tool belt. He's given us every resource to be holy, a holy people, living unto him. And so let's do it. Let's have a passion for holiness. Let's ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are those things in my life that maybe are, are not holy in your sight? That are, are, are kind of against what you, you, you don't want me to do? So that I can, I can live in this, this desire, this passion to serve you, to respect you, to respect your presence in my life. Right? Go ahead and bow your heads. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here in this place. Holy Spirit, we, we come to you and really is laid down as I'm, I'm, I, as I'm praying I'm believing that all of us come to you right now we just lay down our lives to you and put ourselves on, on this altar with the intent of not jumping off Holy Spirit I pray that you would speak to each one of us about those areas that, that need to be removed or, 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 or given to you on, the, on this altar. And that you would surround us with your presence in such a way that would encourage us not to jump, not to get off when it starts to get hot. But Lord, we want to surrender these things to you. I pray that each one of us has a desire in our heart to surrender these things to you so that we can live this holy life that you're asking us to, 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 to step up to. That we would have a passion for holiness because you're asking us to step up into it. And so each and every one of us probably have something that you're saying, yeah, put it on the altar. And so just as a, as a, um, uh, a symbol or, or as a, 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 a thing of, of being able to do that to you today, Lord, I, I'm just praying that each of us would go ahead and do that. Maybe right now or throughout this week as you speak to them about something. Maybe it's just one thing. Maybe it's a host of things. I don't know. But I pray that we would be a church that would say, you know what? No, we're about holiness. We want to, we want to pursue holiness. And so I have this one thing that I need to lay at the altar that I'm going to do this week. And I don't care if it gets too hot, if it gets too hard. Lord, I, I'm, I'm committing it to you. 
And so I, I thank you for what you're going to do in us this week. I thank you for what you're going to stir in us. And, and Holy Spirit, as you continue to lead us back to um, just Jesus in every area and every detail of our life. But I thank you for what you have already spoken over our life, what you've already declared over our life when we gave our hearts to Jesus. That we are a holy people in pursuit of holiness with you. And so I thank you for doing a work in our hearts. I thank you for burning away all of the, 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 the yucky stuff, the chaff, the wheat, whatever it is. And that you're doing a work in us to be all that you called us to be. And I thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.